This is the Friday, January 26, 2024 version of the market analysis segment for Market to Market. Acreage estimates and weather reports coupled with high amounts of unsold grain highlighted the trade. For the week, the nearby wheat contract added seven cents, while March corn improved a penny. Thursday's trade erased much of early gains with improved Brazilian weather and slower exports. The March contract declined four cents and March meal shed 7.50 per ton. March cotton expanded by 51 cents per hundredweight. Over in the dairy parlor, February class three milk futures increased 28 cents. The livestock market was higher. April cattle added 7.50, March feeders improved $12, and the April lean hog contract gained 4.62. In the currency markets, the U.S. dollar index increased 15 ticks. March crude oil expanded 5.02 per barrel. Comex gold cut 13.60 per ounce. And the Goldman Sachs Commodity Index strengthened more than 19 points to settle at 5.57.80. Joining us now, regular market analyst, Sean Hackett. Hi, Sean. Hey, Paul, how are you? Thank you for having me come after all that wintry weather. You know how I always give you a hard time about We always welcome you in January <laughs> so you can get the full uh, Midwest experience. But it is that weather that has been a little bit of a story in the wheat belt. Is the freeze strong enough? Is there enough snow cover? Is that the big story in wheat for you this week? Well, I think it is the big story, and I think it's going to be a bigger story coming up. We have the next 10 days supposed to be the warmest it's been for that period of time on the calendar in 100 years. A lot of the snow is going to melt. Even some winter wheat's going to come out of dormancy. And our work says cold weather, polar vortex, just like we saw coming back in mid-February, ahead of potentially snow coming in behind it. It could be a significant weather event. Many people ask, what's the catalyst to get the shorts out of the market? There's one catalyst right there for you. So you're coming back in February is what you're saying with the next <laughs> cold system. But, you know, when you, look at, when you look at, I think it was January 18th, there was a low in, in wheat. Do you think that's going to stick and hold, given what you just said? I believe with the weather risks that we see and the fact that Russia continues to be backing off those exports, I think that is a good shot of being a low for a considerable period of time. All right, so give me a little target here on this upside. What are you looking at? Well, I mean, I think if you're looking at the charts, that $7 mark on overhead resistance seems to be a reasonable target that the market could go to. Um, if we had a, a, a kind of a short covering rally, we got that 650, I think, on the last time we had a short covering rally. Wouldn't be a surprise on a really legitimate weather problem. We could get a little higher than that. The weather is not always the factor in February, January in corn, but we're already looking to spring. Private estimates coming out. We might plant the second largest crop ever of corn. Is that the biggest weight on the market this week? I mean, everyone's saying 92, 93 million acres. We get trend line yields, three billion bushel plus carry out, three, three and a half dollar corn back to COVID lows. I mean, that's the fear in the market that has made everyone morbidly depressed um, and, and why the market continues to struggle trying to gain any upside. But that is the story until proven otherwise. We had four or five days of gains. Was that in sync with something else because of wheat pulling it along or because it's not acting with soybeans, is it? Yeah, I mean, the wheat market is definitely pulling, tugging the, the corn market a little bit. I also think, you know, anyone that's looking down at Central West, Mato Grosso in Brazil, worst subsoil moisture in 50 years at least, uh, knowing that we're going into a, a situation where planting's probably going to be delayed somewhat, that crop's not going to 
deliver what it did last year. And that's something that the market's going to start to worry more about as we get to pollination in March and April down there. We always talk about that weather window. When you keep mentioning that, does it even matter? Uh, but that it's dry in South America and Brazil right now to us? Well, everyone knows if you start with the tank empty, your chances for a good crop go down markedly. They're starting with the tank completely empty with subsoil moisture, and if they have a dry pollination season in March and April, it doesn't take much of that to have yields really cave in. On top of it, how many acres are the Brazilians going to want to plant in dry soil with the current economics of corn? Probably not as much as they would have otherwise. This was a question a couple of weeks ago was, do we see a three or a five next in corn in your mind? To me, the way I look at the corn market, there's so many things that can still happen to change the narrative about the bear story. We're starting off with everybody bared up. We do that normally, by the way. We're gonna have all this corn, we're never gonna make it work out. I think there's a better shot at a $5 plus market than a three than a sub $4 market, at least going to the early part of the growing season. I think there's too many risks to the upside given the current positioning of the funds. You didn't even want to say the number three. You said sub four. I like that, Sean. <laughs> but if you would have sat in that chair a week ago talking soybeans, you would have been in that side of the, I asked Sue about being in the side of the boat with all the bears. Did some of those bears jump off this week? Yeah, look, I mean, we're getting some, uh, right now Brazil is harvesting their crop. What happens when that happens? Harvest pressure. We know that not every uh, Brazilian farmer sold when they were supposed to. We know there's a storage shortage down there. Base is blowing out to the downside in Brazil, meaning we're gonna have a really struggle with our exports until we put that crop away. It's not unusual to see harvest pressure when one of the largest exporters in the world is harvesting their crop. We still have another couple of weeks of that to get through before I think the bears will lose some ammunition that they currently feel they have. So was this a sugar-induced rally this week in beans that then we kind of burned it off here Thursday, Friday? Well, it's, it's kind of, we know the crop's short from what it was supposed to be. Crop results keep coming out and it keeps suggesting the crop's going to be lower than we thought it was going to be. That's an, a positive story once the crop's put away. So I think we're stuck between, hey, that's, this is a smaller crop, but they're harvesting it. And, and so I think it's, a, it's this back and forth action that we're probably going to continue to go through until we put the crop away. Once we get it away, the dollar still gained this week, but smaller than, than last week. The U.S. dollar has not been helping exports. Do we need that dollar to be lower for the American soybean to get back into this market? I mean, I, I think with the shorter Brazilian crop, we will get better exports over time as time goes on. But obviously, anytime we can weaken that dollar further, it helps our cause even further. And with the, if the Federal Reserve is truthful that they're going to start lowering interest rates and they start doing that, then I think that the dollar, uh, you know, uh, trend here could really start to break hard to the downside. And that would be great news for anyone looking to sell more corn and soybeans out to the other people. Let's pause after the first three grains and ask this question. Let's go Dan in Oregon here, if we could, please. He asked us uh, via X, what will the weather story be for the 24 North American growing season? Drought, floods, perfect. Whenever we have a crashing El Nino into El La Nina, which is what we expect by midsummer, you tend to have flooding in the south, Texas, the deep south. You tend to have frost risks, which we already talked a little about, especially in May as well. And then you tend to have a hot, blowtorch, dry back half of the growing season, which really would be a significant issue for the soybean complex. So that's kind of the weather scenario we're kind of looking at at this point. 
doesn't mean disaster, but it probably doesn't mean making trend line yields again. It looks to me like we're going to come up short yet again, I think, for the fifth year in a row. Is there a certain region that's more at risk for what you're talking about? In this kind of a pattern, central north, central west, Canadian prairie. So it would be that quadrant there that would get the brunt of this kind of a hot, dry back half of the growing season, if we're correct about what is to take place. Think of it like a few years back when spring rate really got into a lot of trouble. We think that kind of a weather scenario year is what we have in store coming up this summer. Cotton country had a whole lot of rain this week. Is that the only reason for a rally? Well, that's one of the reasons, but another reason we've had some big, big numbers of imports going into China from here. uh, Cotton prices in China have been breaking out to new six-month highs. And they put a $300 billion or propose a $300 million stimulus to support the stock market and put more money in the hands of Chinese consumers. All these factors suggested that cotton demand, very cyclical to Chinese demand, you know, had a reason to go higher. Remember, we had terrible crops last year, so supplies are not bountiful if we get any pickup in demand, which is what we saw. We mentioned the economy off the top. Hogs up $4, feeders up 12 cattle up seven fifty, dollars S&P up to levels we've not seen before. Livestock driven by uh, more tied to the S&P and the, the stock market than normal for you right now? Well, that's a psychological thing. It always has been. But the pork cutout price up 10% in the last few weeks. The beef cutout price up 10% in the last few weeks. Both going and we're starting to see improved demand for dairy the last two weeks. Something has happened for the consumer in the last two weeks that we're getting demand into markets that typically tend to be very consumer-driven sensitive. And this, of course, the stock market going up always feeds into that narrative. So that sounds like, to me, then the consumer feels like they have more money to spend if they're buying expensive cuts? Well, we had three months of decline. So you're saying, you're, you're, bu- you're factoring in the, the fact that we did decline. Yes. We had and three- that's why we're finally entering back. We got to a level okay. where we, the value buyer who wants to eat beef, including myself, saw this decline in beef prices and said, uh, it's time for me to stop, you know, put, put, money, you know, put more of that beef into the freezer. I think it was a more of a value buying thing than anything else. The consumer still thinks that way and still drives that. So now let's look. Uh, we also had uh, pretty high direct cash again. Why? You know, uh, this wintry weather for the cattle, for example, you know, you couldn't get the animals to where it needed to go. We had the improved pork, uh, beef cutout, better margins at the processors. Uh, you couldn't put the weight on. You know, a lot of things, you know, to create a strong cash market. And if we're going to have another round of this here in mid-February onward, We could have a repeat of what we just saw yet again. You like to be optimistic, Sean. I do. There there is a camp around livestock that says there is a little bit, I'm going to use the word bubble, coming. And this could explode this summer. Do you fall into that camp? Historically, we've always made our epic tops in cattle when we start and mature the herd rebuilding cycle. Last time I checked, we haven't really gotten the herd rebuilding cycle going. That's still slated for mid-late this year. So it would fit into the idea that if we start to do that, that's where your tightest actual supplies come in. Well, next week, I believe we get a really good look at number of animals. Uh, I think we get the the big cattle report that comes. Uh, Do you anticipate that being a big mover this time? It could be. Um, I don't really think it, this particular number is going to drive the market dramatically. I, th- I don't think this particular one is going to be a big market mover. Um, I don't anticipate that. Ca- uh, hog-wise, 
uh, you mentioned a little bit about uh, some of the cutout improvement there. Where are you sitting on this? China is or not helping our market uh, for hogs? Well, China's not helping our market yet. The, key, the first thing that has to happen, the piglet price has to go up saying that they're herd rebuilding, that they're done liquidating. That we're starting to see that. Second thing is the hog price has to start rattling, so showing that the herd liquidation is over there. We're starting to see that. The last thing we need to see is big pork imports from China saying they need to replenish because they're seeing a shortage coming up. We have not seen that yet, but two out of the three boxes have been checked off. We're watching for the third one to give us more excitement that China would be a driver. We think right now it's just value consumer buying, pork cutout going up, but we do think China's going to get involved in the mix later on in the year and provide a much better chance for hog producers finally to bring some more money home on the farm than what they've had in the last six months. And we need to bring this show home. Thank you, Sean. Good to see you again. Thanks, Paul. That'll do it here, but I do need Sean to hold on because we are going to pause this analysis and continue our discussion about these markets in our Market Plus segment. You can find both analysis and plus on our website of markettomarket.org. We really, really do like hearing from you on your story ideas, your general feedback, and your favorite farm photo. Drop us a line about the program to markettomarket at iowapbs.org. Next week a look at the expansion of no-till farming practices. Thank you so much for watching. Have a great week.